Let's turn together now to the Word of God in Romans 8. We're going to read the first 17 verses, and verse 1 is the sermon text. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. But if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. That's as far as we read. I'll read verse 1 again. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. That's this morning's sermon text. There are, my dear friends, 
There are two words. Therefore, now, that connect this verse and the rest of chapter 8 with all that the Word of God has said in the previous chapters. That word now connects this verse in chapter 8 with what the Apostle Paul has been talking about in chapter 7, where he describes the Christians, was his own too, the Christian spiritual struggle with sin. If you look back at and then you see something there of that struggle. I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived, and I died. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that I do. I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me in captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. Oh, wretched man that I am! Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? If you know something of that spiritual struggle, and I trust you do, then you know why Paul says, Now, now, in the middle of that struggle, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And he uses the word therefore to tell us why, referring back to the previous chapters, all the way back, really, to chapter 3. Now, he says, there is the righteousness of God without the law is manifest, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all them that believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Chapter 4. It was not written for his sake alone, Abraham's sake, that it was imputed to him, but for us also, to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up our Lord Jesus Christ from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again 
for our justification. Chapter 5. When we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Chapter 6. Now being made free from sin and become servants to God, you have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Therefore, therefore, there is no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. That's the sermon text this morning, and the theme is those most important words of verse 1, no condemnation in Christ Jesus. I'm going to talk about that blessing. There is no blessing that can compare with it. And then, too, about the possibility of that blessing. How can it be that I who do not do the good that I would and all too often do the evil that I don't want to do, how can it be that there is no condemnation for me in Christ Jesus? How is that possible? And then finally, we're going to look at that description of those who are in Christ Jesus as those who walk, not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. There's no condemnation for them, but it is always also true of them that they walk, according to the Word of God there, in Romans 8, verse 1. So we're, we're really going to be following the order of the text this morning, and we're going to start with those words, no condemnation. And those words take us into a courtroom. They're legal words. They take us into... God's courtroom, where God sits enthroned as the judge of heaven and earth, and as the one before whom every one of us must appear and give an account of what we've done, whether it be good or bad. And when I come into that courtroom, That's what you have to have in mind when you read this verse. You and me coming into that that greatest of all courtrooms. When I come into that courtroom, then the first thing I see there on the table in front of the judge is 
the record. If we may think of it that way, the record of everything I have ever done wrong. Even of those sins that I committed, that I thought that I had hidden away, and that no one would ever find out. Every thought, every sinful thought, is recorded in that record. Every word I've spoken is in that record. And if you're like me, then you feel that that record must be about that thick. A book like that that's far too heavy for anyone ever to lift. And not only is the record of my evil doing there in the courtroom, but all the evidence is there. Every bit of it fills fills half the courtroom. And the witnesses are there. And every one of them testifies against me. Old Adam is there. And when he's asked, is this one of your children? Then his answer is, yes, that's one of my sons or one of my daughters. Do you understand that if you acknowledge this one as your son or your daughter, you are charging them with your sin? Because you know that, don't you? That in that record, on the very first page, is Adam's sin, which is mine as a child of Adam. And such a great evil that if I never ever committed another sin my whole life long, I would still be worthy of condemnation for that one transgression. So Adam testifies against me. And the world does. The world comes into God's courtroom and they say, this person isn't any different than we are. Does the same things we do. Sometimes watches the same garbage on the internet or on television that we do. And in fact, if you look through that record, you'll find that he sometimes does things that we don't do. Worse things than we do. And the worst thing of all, of course, is that our own conscience 
witnesses against us. And says, yes, 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 to every charge. And nobody has anything good to say. Not one word in my favor. Nobody says, but after all, he was a pretty good fellow. They all testify against me. My wife, who knows my sins better than anyone else, can tell, can speak in that courtroom of how far short I fell of being the kind of husband that's required in the Word of God. My children can speak of the fact there and sometimes do, of how I failed them as a parent. And not one word, not in the presence of God, in my favor. And what's even worse than the testimony of those witnesses is that standing in one corner of the courtroom is the son of the judge whom I murdered and with whose murder, the greatest crime of all, I'm charged. Because you understand, don't you, that even though you may not have been there at Calvary when our Lord was crucified, that you and I are guilty as sinners of crucifying him afresh. As the book of Hebrews says. That's where those words, no condemnation, bring me. And you can understand that. What the Apostle Paul says in chapter 7, Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me? There is no hope for me at all in this mess that I've made for myself. And then, then comes the time for sentencing. And the judge of heaven and earth passes sentence on me, and his sentence is no condemnation. I find no fault in him. Innocent of all these charges 
tell you, my dear fellow believers, there is nothing more amazing than that. And that is the very heart of the gospel. No condemnation. And that is the doctrine of justification. That's what it means for you and for me to be justified freely by the judge of heaven and earth. And the judge who declares that sentence banishes all his courtroom. Who shall lay anything, he says, to the devil, to my own conscience, to everyone who can testify of my sins. To them, he says, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. And that sentence can never be changed. There's coming a great day of judgment as well. But in that day, God who does not change will not change that sentence. And then too, there will be no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Good news? No better news for me when my conscience is struggling. No better news when I'm dealing with the fact that again, again, I did not do the good that I wanted to do. And instead did those evil things that I had, had repented of a thousand times and swore that I would never do again. No condemnation. That's justification. But that raises the question, you understand, how is that possible? Did God not see my record? There right in front of him? Is he blind, God forbid, to all the evidence that's piled there on one side of the courtroom? Did he somehow get the wrong record? He who makes no mistakes? Was he not speaking the truth? God forbid, 
when he said no condemnation? What's happening? How's that possible? And the answer of the Word of God here in Romans 8 verse 1 is in those three words, in Christ Jesus. No condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. There was another record. God didn't get the wrong one. But when in passing sentence on me, he didn't only read my record, but he read another record as well. A record that is a thousand times greater than my own. The record of Christ's perfect obedience and holiness. A record so great and so heavy, if you will, that as John says at the end of his epistle, all the books in the world couldn't contain the record of what Christ did. And it's on the basis of that record that there is no condemnation for me. No condemnation now as I struggle with my sins. No condemnation as my own conscience testifies against me. No condemnation when I come face to face again with that horrible truth that the good that I would I do not do and the evil that I would not, that I do. It's on the basis of Christ's perfect record that I am justified. But how, there's the question again, how can God do that? How can he, on the basis of Christ's record, pass sentence on me, the sentence that we have here in Romans 8, verse 1. No condemnation. How can he do that? The answer is in that little two-letter word, in. I am in Christ Jesus. And in him, bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh, one body with him, 
everything that's his becomes mine. His Father becomes my Father. His Spirit becomes my Spirit who lives in me and who makes my body His temple. His people. Something to think about. His people become my people. As Ruth said so long ago, And his righteousness, his holiness, his perfect obedience become mine as well. They become mine first of all. When I, in eternity, am given to Christ, never again to be separated from him. So that when he comes into the world, he comes into the world carrying me, as it were, and carries me through that whole life of obedience to the cross. And then out of the grave into life everlasting, I'm in Christ Jesus of all by election. And that's why in Romans 8, Romans 8, verse 33, the Word of God says, Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. So I'm in Christ Jesus from eternity by God's sovereign gift of me to Christ. But the Apostle Paul here is thinking especially of the fact that I am in Christ by faith. Did you know that? Did you know that when you believe, That believing, that faith, puts you into union with the Son of God. That union that we were talking about a moment ago. So that you are, that's not just a picture, you are the body of Christ. Each of you a member in that body. By faith, the Heidelberg Catechism says, we are engrafted into Christ. And that, by the way, is the reason why faith can never be something that comes from us. It has to be the gift of God. I believe. I trust. I know by faith, whom I've believed. But that doesn't make that faith mine. It's a gift of God. But it's by that faith that I am united to Christ. And by that faith, 
that I am one of those who, in Christ Jesus, hears God's forgiving sentence, no condemnation. That's the reason why when the gospel is preached, the gospel of our justification, you and I are told, and you must believe. As I trust you do. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. No condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And if, if there were any need to underline that point, Then the Apostle says in verse 9, If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. By faith. That's the doctrine of justification. By faith. That united to Christ, forever united to Him, by faith, I am innocent in the sight of God, of all evil. It is, I think it's the form for the Lord's Supper that puts it that way. It is as if I never had or had committed any sin. By faith in Christ Jesus my Lord. And those names that Scripture uses for him here are a reminder of the fact that this is God's work. God's gracious work of justifying sinners. Christ that name is a reminder of the fact that he was appointed and given all the necessary gifts of his Father to be my Christ. And as the one to whom I am joined by faith, the one who would deliver me as king from all the power of the devil, who would offer the only sacrifice that could ever pay for my sins as priest, and who would tell me about it in the gospel as my prophet. And Jesus, of course, what greater name than that? No other name given under heaven by which we must be saved, because it says salvation is of the Lord. Justification by faith. But the Apostle 
the Word of God really, doesn't leave it there. And doesn't leave it there because there are always going to be those, not you, I trust, but there are going to be those who say, ah, that's a license to sin. No condemnation? I can do as I please. And trust that when I have to come in the courtroom, all will be well. The Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Spirit, says to you and to me, as well as to those who think that the doctrine of free and gracious justification is a license to sin, says with those closing words of this verse, no, 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 forever, no. Those who are in Christ Jesus cannot be will not be those who walk after the flesh. They must be and will be those who walk after the Spirit. And when God is finished with them, there will be no more possibility of them ever walking again according to the flesh. But they will walk forever after the Spirit. What does that mean? Well, walking according to the flesh, to put it very bluntly, is just doing what you want. Flesh is a reference to our old sinful nature. To me. And what's left in me. Of that old sinfulness. Chapter 7. It's like a law, Paul says. I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. So that, though I want with all my heart to do what pleases God, I always fall short. And though I hate with everything that's in me, the sins that I commit. And I'm dismayed when I commit those sins over and over again. When once again I've got my mouth open when I shouldn't have had it open. When once again I've hurt my children, my wife, another member of the congregation, with what I've done or said. It 
It's like a law, Paul says. But the child of God in that struggle is still one who does not walk according to the flesh. Understand that? He's not ruled. Even though it seems like a law, he's not ruled. Not anymore by the flesh. Still struggles. Still says, the good that I would, I do not do. The evil that I would not, that I do. Oh, wretched man that I am. But he's changed. And the change shows him the fact that he wants to do the good. Praise to God for grace to do what's right. He's on his knees every day, grieving over what he did wrong. He doesn't walk according to the flesh. Those who walk according to the flesh are those who give in. Willingly. To every temptation and every sin, and who do always, everywhere, what they want. And to whom the law of God and the Word of God means nothing. But those who walk according to the Spirit are those who show, though with a very small beginning of obedience. The fruits of the Spirit that the Apostle Paul describes in the book of Galatians. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against which there is no law. They're those who have crucified the flesh and who do crucify it every day on their knees before God. They've crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. Paul talks about that in the following verses of Romans 8. The law of the Spirit of life hath made me free from the law of sin and death. And he's referring to the work of the Spirit who as the Spirit of justification, the one who works faith in my heart, unites me to Christ, gives me everything that is Christ's, including his righteousness, speaking of the fact that that same Spirit sanctifies me, delivers me, 
from that horrible bondage of sin in which I wanted nothing else besides and did nothing else besides. To put it in terms of a courtroom. And that's why those for whom there is no condemnation are also those who walk. Not, a, not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Having brought me into that courtroom to hear that wonderful sentence that there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. He's also the one who makes sure that I never go back to my prison cell. That dank, dark cell that we call sin, that opens only, apart from the grace of God and Jesus Christ, into hell. It has to be that way. If there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, then too, they must be and are released from the beginning of sin. The proof of which is found in the fact that they say, the good that I would, I do not do. And the evil that I would not, that I do. They are already in that changed by the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Where once they would have said, I don't want to do the good and won't do it. I love the evil and that's all I care about. The very words, their struggle proves in Christ Jesus, they're not the same. Walking. You get that? Walking not according to the flesh. Not after the flesh. That's not what I'm following anymore. But after the Spirit. Oh, I stray. No doubt about it. But I'm walking after the Spirit. That's the proof. In me. In my life. In my walk. That I am in Christ Jesus. And justified in Him. Ring any bells? You say, I trust. Would you read Romans 8 verse 1? Yes. That's the way it is with me. I am, by the grace of God, 
by the life in Christ Jesus. One who walks now after the Spirit. It's a struggle. You don't know what a struggle it is for me. But by the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, that now is the direction of my life. And by that, I know, know too, that there is no condemnation for me. I still have to say, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? But I thank God, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Say you? Believing in Jesus Christ Justified in Jesus Christ. That one who walks, not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. One who can say the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. God grant it. Amen. Father of mercies and God of all grace, apply the word of the gospel to us this morning. Strengthen our faith in Jesus Christ that we struggling with temptation and sin and with the weaknesses of our sinful flesh may know that there is no condemnation for us in Him. And may we see in ourselves, by that same grace, the beginning of a new obedience, of a love for Thee. And so, Father, may we experience the blessed truth of Thy Word, that being justified by faith, in Christ Jesus, we have peace with thee. We ask these things as poor sinners. And ask too that thou wilt pardon the sins we've committed. In speaking of these high and holy things, and of hearing them again this morning, pardon all our sins for Jesus' sake, in whose name we pray. Amen.